When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and welcome to The Game Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Alison Rudd, Stuart Robson, and Mr. James Ducker. Season's finally over, and uh, later in the show, we're going to be selecting our team of the season and praising Big Sam and West Ham for getting uh, the former World Cup winners back to the Premier League. But we can only start in one place, Munich, the Champions League final. Stuart, I want to I want to start with you and take a slight step back about when managers do something quite left field. Um, we started getting news that Bertrand would start or was strongly considered sort of a few hours before kickoff. And we didn't expect it. Um, now Di Matteo later explained that you know without Ramirez, he wanted someone in the flank who would help Ashley Cole deal with Arjen Robin and. You know, I think he famously said, I don't like to gamble. I didn't see it as a gamble. The kid had trained well and so on. What did you make of it? And, and I'm, I'm interested in particular about this idea of having a specialist to to kind of do a job in a position. Well, I think it's, it's quite understandable why he did it. Uh, the threat was going to come down in the wide areas, and he put Bertrand in that position. And the main objective of him was to make sure when the ball was in midfield areas that he got in line with the ball and Robin and it allowed Ashley Cole just to go that little bit narrower and get in a good defensive position to cover the centre halves as well so he doubled up in, in to a certain degree but he doubled up in front of Robin so the ball was, was going to stop getting to Robin quite so easily I don't think it actually worked in terms of Robin getting uh, not getting the ball because he got a lot of the ball anyway but uh, but he, he moved to the other flank a lot yeah of course he did but it, but also when Ashley Cole went forward which he did on a couple of games it's easy just for those two to rotate positions and Bertrand will be happy in a left back position and against uh, Lam who likes to get forward as well you know if Robin went inside Lam liked to get forward so Bertrand was comfortable playing in a left back position Alison that was one of the tactical themes of, of, of the game and, and we'll be getting more into into those in a minute but Taking a step back and looking at the way the game unfolded with, with, with Chelsea defending um, 
in numbers. I, I don't think that was the original plan. It just kind of worked out that way after 10, 15 minutes. Is it somehow less satisfying when, you know, one team takes a million shots on goal and Chelsea basically take two and then go through on penalties? I think when you're the owner of the club, it's probably less satisfying. Um, Abramovich wanted to win the Champions League. Yes, he also wanted to win it in style. And he'd rather people in the aftermath of the game were complimenting Chelsea on on, um, the attractiveness of their win rather than the... um, pragmatic nature of their win uh, from a neutral point of view no I thought it was a, I thought it was an intriguing game um, I slightly would take issue with you saying you don't think it was the plan to play that defensively mm. because I think uh, and we talked about this on a previous podcast the key to what Di Matteo was going to achieve was going to be how he, how he played those two holding midfield players one of them was Frank Lampard and that could mean one of two things either that was quite um, an ambitious and bold move to play Frank Lampard there because he could be attacking and essentially you just have Mikel as the single holding player or Lampard would would play as as a more recognisable defensive holding midfield player and I think the team took their lead from the way Frank Lampard played and Frank Lampard played from the off in a very restrained conservative manner. Um, James what's what's your take on this is there this idea that you know because I want to make sure I want to throw this at you because there's a school of thought that says, oh, but, you know, you want to see a very good team, if you're a neutral, you want to see a very good team get in the final, one of the best teams in Europe, and you want them to play well and play brilliant football and win. And that's what happened last year when Barcelona won it. And I'm just wondering is, are we maybe been a little bit spoiled by Barcelona and, in fact, that most of the time um, Champions League winners are, are like this? Uh, you know, I'm going back a few years, but... You know, o two o three. It was um, it was AC Milan on penalties. O three o four. It was Porto. I don't think anybody would say, um, but were the best team in, in in Europe at the time. Well, of course, their manager is the greatest manager in the history of the universe. O four o five was was Liverpool, and no disrespect, Allison, but you know, kind of was what it was. Um, have we been spoiled, and is this just maybe some kind of regression to the mean, where the sixth best team in in England can? can win on penalties by kind of playing ugly? We maybe have been a little bit spoiled by Barcelona, but I was watching the kind of the game on Saturday and I was just thinking back to, you know, the previous final against Barcelona and United when United tried to fight fire with fire with two in the field against one of the best middle three, you know, that the game's ever seen. And it was just the tactical kind of disaster, really. And in a lot of respects, I kind of watched what Di Matteo did, and he clearly thought long and hard about his about his formation, about his personnel, about how he was going to kind of approach the game. And um, I kind of look at what Ferguson did with, with, with United, and there didn't seem to be a great deal of thought put into it. So it's certainly... In that capacity, I, I, I had a lot of admiration, really, for what um, Chelsea did, and, and particularly Di Matteo, who, who in a in a short period of time, he's really actually thought about what he's got at his disposal, uh, the opponents, how they're going to line up, how they're going to play, what what a plan B will be if things don't work. And um, so there was a lot to admire. The, the, the strange thing for me was that I could totally understand over two legs against Barcelona. Um, who were just obviously 
such superior footballers, you know, adopting kind of the approach that they did, and particularly obviously when when they went down to ten men for for much of the second leg of that semi, then they had no choice. But I was a little surprised it was so defensive against uh, Bayern, who unquestionably a very good team, but um, but I thought Chelsea had had the personnel there to maybe uh, play a little bit more offensively. Uh, and equally, you know, had 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 Chelsea lost, had had, had they not held on um, at the end of um, at the end of normal time, you know, we're probably we're probably talking very differently, you know, this morning. And and Di Matteo's tactics would be receiving, you know, kind of greater scrutiny. Stuart, um, the, 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 that's exactly it. What, what James is saying is that you know we're we're in this. We're praising Chelsea and Di Matteo for, for making it work, but. And I know we can we keep score with goals, and but I think chances are also quite mm. indicative here. And if Di Matteo had gone out and played that way and limited Bayern to one, two, three chances, then you know you would. I certainly would feel a lot more comfortable praising this Chelsea team's performance. But instead, they had a tremendous amount of chances, and especially Gomez and Robin and the missed penalty and whatnot. So Chelsea were still conceding those chances, which I'm Absolutely. sure wasn't the game. So you, we can't really say the game plan worked, can we? No, I don't think the game plan did work uh, to perfection, certainly because too many chances were created by uh, Bayern. And I think Bayern could have created far more chances if, if they'd have crossed the ball more. And well, started. If Iron Robin wasn't yeah. the most selfish, in, insane, and if, like, and childish... If, and if they'd have scored early, the whole game would have changed. Um, but the, the thing that Chelsea did do very well, and Ashley Cole was the, the greatest example, they threw their body on the line. They defended in numbers, and when shots were just about to come in, they got good blocks in okay, a lot so of the time. You talk as if that's something... And, and well, how, sometimes, how, yeah, help me understand as someone who hasn't played professional football, because you said, like, oh, they're so good, they put their bodies on the line. But it's sometimes, a Champions but, but, League final. Yeah. You guys are all millionaires. But what, sometimes don't? people don't. When people go and close the ball down, they get played around. That's the difference between when you, when you look at a side that look determined and spirited and when they don't look quite so determined. It's not that they, they're not trying. When they get bypassed, they don't recover quite as quickly. You know, they, they, whether they're feeling tired, whether, whatever it is. But Chelsea's players had that mentality, as they did against Barcelona, that we can stop by and we can stop Barcelona uh, no, no matter what. And we can get blocks on balls. We can, we can recover. Well, and that's what Chelsea did well. Their midfield players recovered when it was played past them, so they stopped the st- uh, the space that Gomez could work in. They stopped the space that Cruz, when he tried to get forward, could work in. It stopped Ribery coming in field and getting the ball in behind Chelsea's midfield players. It stopped Robin coming in behind Chelsea's midfield and getting it in open space. They had to play cleverly to break Chelsea down, and they didn't always do it. Ducker, um, well, like praise Matt Hughes for his beautiful turn uh, phrase before I disagree with him slightly. He gave a high rating to Manuel Neuer, who took a penalty and, uh, of course, very well and, and I guess, saved off Kalu. But as you might say in your parliament, will you join me in blaming Manuel Neuer for not keeping out Drogba's header? Because he looked kind of, I don't know, wussy to me there. I mean, you'd expect more. This is the second most expensive goalkeeper in the history of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you know it's a, a critical line to adopt Gab but I think you know we are talking about the Champions League final you know the margins are extremely thin and this is supposed to be the the elite and um, I do think there are certain goalkeepers that you know might have kept that out you you would hope and expect for a very strong hand at at that point and he almost I was just I've watched it a few times just I think just completely caught them by surprise because there's been so little threat offensively from Chelsea. There's a little aside on this. Um, I think 
I've certainly been very critical of referees this year when they make mistakes, but um, I don't know, you wouldn't have noticed. But I also think I haven't, I don't even know, how, do any of you know who the referee was in this game? He's Portuguese. He there was very go. good. He was very good. good. So the fact that nobody knows who he is, uh, even though he is quite a famous referee, uh, nobody's had to mention him. I think this is my little applause for Mr. Mr. Pedro Proença, who, uh, um, who officiated brilliantly in the final. And I think it's been completely overlooked because we're so used to having, you know, controversy and issue with this and that. Um, and, and and I thought it was just, uh, it was just very well done. Very well done to him. Um and also, I think this also perhaps disproves something else. Remember, after this, I mean, not just my, God, my third Mourinho mention of the day, but <laughs> remember when he went on his, like, conspiratorial, like, fit after the draw and he said there's no way that Chelsea are going to win, implication being that the referees and the big UEFA UNICEF conspiracy were going to favor Bayern. I think we can kind of put that to rest now, yes, at least for this season. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, took a, uh, they, they, they took a year off. Um, Drogba's future, though, uh, he, he may be moving on and, in some ways, and that's probably linked to Chelsea's other highly paid center forward, Allison's pal, Fernando Torres. And for those who didn't see it, uh, after, the, uh, after the game in the mech zone, he sort of sidles up to, uh, to Guillaume Balaguer and um, just, you know, lets loose with, with both, both barrels. Uh, after praising Roman Abramovich for being, you know, a great owner and, and a great friend and uh, by the way, it must be great being a Bramovich. People only ever say great things about you when, <laughs> when, you, when they employ you. But, you know, he needed clarity from the club. He says he's unhappy, hasn't been treated well this season, and, and so on. Now, I'm assuming nobody has sympathy with him, but I want to ask, or maybe somebody does. Does anybody have sympathy with, with uh, Fernando Torres' plight this season? Not really, no. Okay, it's tumbleweed there. Um, so, Tucker, how do you deal with this? What do you do with this guy? I mean, this, this is the night that they won the first Champions League in their history. And he goes out, and this is how he celebrates. After, of course, you know, he was happy to punch around on the, on, 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 on the, on the pitch with, the, with his stupid hat and everything. But then afterwards, so the media is like, oh, I better go and, you know, rain on everybody's parade and get some people out of the headlines by going and telling everybody how unhappy I am. I mean, what do you do? Well, what would you do if you were, uh, if you were Roman? Well, it's difficult because it costs them so much money, and he's still got a, a long time in his contract that unless they were prepared to offload him at a huge loss, which um, is easier said than done, um, uh, you know, I think he's there to, uh, I think he's there to stay, but I agree. Um, T- Tony Evans has, has written a, a, a lovely piece on, uh, on how, you know, today how, how strikers are selfish, but this, this took it to new levels and he chose the completely wrong day to have a me day. Some of the um, complaints he levelled at Chelsea smacked of a complete lack of self-realisation. I mean, he has played like a drain for much of his kind of Chelsea career and yes, in, in the last six, eight weeks or so, um, there's been a chink of light there. But, you know, he's not deserved to be picked. You know, he's been... He didn't. You know, also, you know, you know, it was totally understandable going for the kind of approach that Di Matteo wanted. That Torres wasn't going to be a part of that, and there's absolutely no way in a million years that anyone would have included him over Drogba. Uh, so, what do you do, Stuart? I mean, what, uh, you've committed this money. You can't sell him because nobody will buy him. I mean, if he wants it so badly, then obviously he should go and take a pay cut. But we know, since we live in the real world, he's not going to take a pay cut to move elsewhere. 
Uh, are you going to loan him and pay 90% of his wages uh, the way City might? What are you uh, going to do? Well, uh, what would you do? Well, I w- first of all, I'd want to know who he was aiming that at because I right, think he comes back and he tells you, I'm aiming it at Di Matteo. And I, think he's, I think, no, I think he's aiming it at some of the players. And at my teammates who don't, who don't fight enough to get me in the lineup. So he's told you that. No, because I don't think the Chelsea players, when he came, I bet there was jealousy when he came to the club. Okay, and I right. think he was aiming that. Okay, so he's and aiming I, at I, that. I, I actually now? found the behaviour of John Terry more despicable than I found the behaviour of Fernando Torres. Okay. Well, when you're well, talking about well, uh, people, want to be, it was all about them on a b- occasion. It was more about John Terry than it was about Fernando. We'll Torres. get to captain leader legend in a minute. Alison, do you have a solution to the Torres yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. What, do. what would you, get, you do? You get him a really, really good shrink because he's deluded. He 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 joined Chelsea, believing the leaving of Liverpool would be, would solve his problems. Not not accepting that any of them were within him. That's some sort of uh, narcissistic issue he's got. Didn't work, so he became quite depressed. His body language was rubbish. Dimitale uh, did a lot of work with him to get his mood back up, um, but nothing that's happened in the in, in the last two months has, should have indicated to him that he would start the Champions League final. There were no clues at all. Over the period of time, both when he was at Liverpool, the last season at Liverpool, and since he's been at Chelsea, he's stopped making the forward runs. He's stopped when he gets the. He's lost confidence but that's completely. That's mental. That's that, a mental it's thing. It's mental. Yeah. Thing, yeah, and he's. But I don't think he's also been helped by the Chelsea players I bet they were jealous and I can just I can just see there's a resentment when he came to the club okay. that they didn't like him so Stuart is, is foaming at the mouth to have a go at the Chelsea players and obviously as, as he foreshadowed a few minutes ago uh, he's going to have a go at John Terry now I didn't even include this in the running order because I don't really care if John Terry lifts the cup or not but hey he's the club captain yeah um, can you give me a good reason why it upsets you so much that it he lifts just, the cup because everything is always about him you know, he talks about this... A little while ago, he wanted to go to Man City. He was talking about going to Man City. It's all about, I love Chelsea, I love this, I love that. It's all about him. If he'd have been a real leader, he'd have stepped back and let the players that won the trophy on the day... He got himself sent off in the semi-final and was quite rightly suspended. And he shouldn't have been anywhere near that trophy. Do you, do you share uh, uh, Stewart's annoyance here? I mean, if, if Roy Keane had wanted to lift the trophy in, in 1999... But he didn't. He didn't want to go up there because he, he let the players on the pitch, the ones that did the job on the day, have the have the the, the, the celebration and the and the you know everybody was pleased hey, with the way. The thing is, without Roy Keane, United probably wouldn't have won the Champions League in 1999. Without John Terry, you could easily make a case that Chelsea wouldn't have won the Champions League in. in yeah, but I'm in sure every, everybody respects that. But to, to I just I just don't see it. I just think it's again uh, John Terry uh, looking at himself rather than the, the good of the. the, the I see. I see you. I mean, I struggle to be objective where John Terry is concerned because because uh, you're such a huge he's fan. So utterly <laughs> reprehensible. And um, I know people. I know what you're saying, Stuart. The selfish me, 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 me. I just think he's thick. I just think he's <laughs> I think he might really, be right. really, really stupid, and he has no, no awareness of of how he kind of comes across. Really, hey, um, hey, uh, okay, Alison, will you? Can you show some kind of sense here of? He is the club captain. He came through the ranks there. Yeah, okay, he pretended to leave and then he stayed. But you know what? Like, a, lot of, a lot of people in football have done that. They're professionals. And what's more, that was four years ago, Stuart. Will you show a bit of understanding about why maybe it's not so offensive that he would want to lift the cup, given that even Romelu Lukaku lifted the cup at one point? 
He wasn't even in the Champions League squad. If you put him really trying hard here, you you could say we're being slightly snobby because he he so lacks class, John Terry. There's nothing classy. The classy way to have handled all that was going through his head, which was, I'm Mr Chelsea and I've helped the team to get to this point, would be to have lifted the trophy a little later in the day. Um, I mean, you know, minutes later in his suit, in his club suit or something. It's, It's the fact that he thought it, it worked putting on the full kit with I, the shin I, pads. I, I, I need to jump in there on the full kit thing. All the uh, all the suspended players were in full kit. I don't know how obvious that was on TV, but that was obviously a club decision. It's not like he was the only one who changed into his kit. That the club mm-hmm. evidently decided that you wear your suit during the game, and then you'll all you'll all change. I mean, Ivanovic was running around with a kit and shin pads too. I thought he was going to kick somebody at some point. Yeah, but they were. The, they, I mean, their transgressions Unless maybe Terry were less. Told them to do trans- that. Well, who knows? I mean. Or maybe Terry couldn't have. Maybe maybe that was why they did it because Terry wouldn't have been able to do it unless they'd done it as well. I don't know. I know it just it, it just lacked class. And, and and you're asking me to try and think of something positive to say about Terry. And it might, might be that we're being a little snobby about the fact he does lack. He's a footballer for goodness' sake, and he is thick, and he has an ego. And why are we surprised at that? But it's just the sh- the classy thing to have done would have would have not been to put on the full kit and to yeah be part of it, but to 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 make it clear that he felt the players on the day had done a great job. And he was proud of them, not proud of himself. And just to wrap this segment up, um, the Bayern manager, Jupp Heynckes, in 1998 won the um, Champions League with uh, Real Madrid and was sacked eight days later. And we may be facing a similar situation with the Chelsea manager, um, Roberto Di Matteo. Now, um, my understanding is that uh, the ownership of the club, the proprietor, believes he's got a shot at getting Pep Guardiola, but it's not going to be till next season. And so he's looking to extend uh, possibly Di Matteo's interim status for a year. And Di Matteo probably rightly says, no, I don't just want to come and, you know, warm Pep's seat for him for a season because also because he's kind of achieved a minor miracle this year and he may not be able to do that next year and he's got a career to think about. Um, Tucker, I want to ask you, I'm a bit fascinated by this because obviously the way managers are perceived, a lot of it has to do with what they've done recently and so on. And so, you know, Brendan Rodgers gets to the Premier League via the playoffs, plays nice football, and he's a genius. Roberto Martinez keeps wigging up for a couple of years, and he's there. Um, it strikes me that two years ago, Di Matteo had taken over at MK Dons and a newly promoted team, and you know they finished third in uh, in League One. Um, then he takes over at, at West Brom. They he gets them immediately uh, promoted automatically. Uh, start the season well, then then they drop off has people at West Brom, and one day I will name them, absolutely go and rubbish and butcher him privately, calling him lazy and uninspirational and tactically naive and all this stuff because, of course, West Brom, West Bromwich Albion invented tactics. But you can read about it and it's in Matt Hughes' piece today as well. It's the third Matt Hughes mention of the day. <laughs> um, should they be taking a, a, a closer look at this guy? Um, uh, I kind of think that you know, you, we can get kind of caught up in the moment and that so often happens and we're all guilty of that where football is concerned when maybe a bit of cold, hard logic, um, as difficult as that will be to apply at this moment in time, you know, needs to be factored in. Um, I think that if uh, Abramovich has his heart set on Guardiola um, but doesn't think he'll be able to get in until next, next summer, then the, the, it makes sense to... Ask Di Matteo to um, fill. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In for a year. That's what he's done, but Di Matteo won't take a year. Well, are you telling me that Di Matteo won't take a year at Chelsea? Yes, I'm telling you, he won't take a year. Because, Definitely. Um, 99.9% right. I will be astonished, even if he's saying that in private, that... Uh, if they offered him... Why would you take a year at Chelsea? Why? why? I mean, well, you've just won the Champions League. Aren't you better off going to a club where you can actually have... You can have some level of control, where you can go and you can prove well, it people... Depends what, it depends what, what becomes available. I mean, if, if he's given an opportunity to manage, say, another West Brom, and the battling a mid-table, having just experienced winning the FA Cup and Champions League, I'm not necessarily sure he's going to settle for that. And there's no... There's no guarantees that he's going to get a top job elsewhere. Stuart, if you were Di Matteo, would you work in those conditions? I mean, in the sense of, it's not just a one-year deal. It's a one-year deal where you won't have any real input into well, that's the, the transfers and so on because it's going to be with the idea that Pep Guardiola's coming. By the way, I don't think Pep Guardiola As, the, will as come. the manager, you have to have control over everything. You've got to say, right, this is the vision, this is our philosophy, this is the style I want to play, these are the players I want to bring in in conjunction with the director of football, if that's the case. Uh, and if he knows he can't do that, you know, he's on a hiding to nothing. But Stuart, do you really believe that Chelsea managers of the past have had that? No, but they've, I, well, I imagine they've had some sort of in, input on how they're going to play and who they're going to buy. I mean, yes, Abramovich will have the odd player that he wants, like Torres. But, but, but in the, the, in the moment, I mean, you, you, you know, you, with the best will in the world, being a Chelsea manager is totally different to being manager of a, you know, a lot of other British clubs. One thing I will say, and before you've asked the last word, this idea that Abramovich fiddles with everything and everybody... 
um, my understanding is that Mourinho certainly in, mm. in, until Shevchenko came had pretty much carte blanche. Ranieri definitely did um, in his year there, and uh, and Scolari did. Ancelotti in the transfer window at that point they were all cutting back. This is a time when they let off thirty percent of the staff of the club, and so he had a, a budget constraint more than anything. But you know Ramirez was his handpicked choice. So um, I, I don't know this idea that like you can't do it because you know Abramovich makes all, all the decisions. I think is also a bit extreme, and it's a bit sort of a convenient excuse that managers who've been sacked from there. Um, no one's saying he, he makes all the decisions. Yeah, he's just obviously he's got, you know, he likes to, to have a significant hand in there. I think with certain players, though, but I mean, you know, I, I think even Mourinho can't come out and say, I mean, what's he going to do? Like, going like, oh, the bad ones were, were Abramovich signings, and, you know, it, it is an issue, but... Um, but it, is an issue, it is an issue when, you know, when he decides he wants... Someone like Fernando Torres, who's not five million pounds, he's fifty million pounds. Oh no, and no, no! Manager I, thinks fifty I, I million no, quid. I could have got three great players of for course. that. Instead, I've got one who actually, for Bramovich, had looked at his performances and everything over the last eighteen months at Liverpool, and now he's he's back, you know yeah. staking huge gamble buying that player. So you know, it, it, I know that's just one player, but it was a fifty million pound player, and think. Think about some of the uh, holes and the the weaknesses in that squad that that fifty million could have addressed. Alison, you've been waiting so patiently. Have, you get the I? final word on Di Matteo and whether they should commit to him or whether they should chase the Guardiola dream, like the, they chased the hitting dream last year. Boy, didn't that work out well? Sorry. Di Matteo has been the ultimate interim manager, and. He's not tried to think ahead. He's tried to save the season and he's saved it spectacularly. From his point of view, in a way, that's that's damning with faint praise and he, he would know that and he now has to build his own uh, footballing dynasty, if you like, and prove that he can shape a team and plan a team and I doubt very much he'd be given the opportunity to do that at Chelsea. I, I agree with you, Gab, but the Pep Guardiola thing is, is an obsession and it's not very realistic. But while it's hanging over the next manager, I don't think Dimitel would want that. OK, now, um, since we love lists and stuff at the end of the year, um, we, we were asked to put together our Premier League team of the season. Uh, you can go on the website. Uh, you'll see Ollie has one. Ducker has one. George Colkin has a very interesting one. Um, I have one. Lansley. Tony Barrett has one where he mentions all these uh, guys who aren't scousers, including one uh, um, James McCarthy, his choice in midfield. Bill Edgar, of course, has a very good one. Our cumulative team of the season, putting everybody together, um, is a little bit like this. Jump up at me before we, we get Allison's and, and Stewart's if you think that uh, there's any sort of absurdity in there. Um, it would be uh, Joe Hart, Kyle Walker, Vincent Company, or Vincent Company, as uh, one well-known commentator keeps calling him, Colocini, Leighton Baines, Yaya Toure, and then level on points, Johan Kabai, my choice, and Czech Tiote, who is um, Ollie's choice, but funnily enough, not George Calkin's choice. Um, David Silva, Wayne Rooney, Sergio Guerrero, and Robin Fan. Percy. That's the consensus. Allison, you're, you're screwing up your eyebrows. You don't like this, do you? Well, bits of it are all right, but You've it's, not, got... it's not spot on. Who's missing? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, first of all, goalkeeping, there, are, I, there have been so many absolutely superb goalkeepers this season. 
And I sort of think it's a bit of a cop-out to pick Joe Hart because... So we should pick one of the Dutch ones. One of the Dutch ones with four-letter names. Is that one of the ones you picked? I was going to go with Krul, but actually, am I allowed to be biased by the Champions League final? Because I think Czech... Still a four-letter name, yes. Okay, Not okay. Dutch, I would, I'd go, I, I mean, it's unfashionable, isn't it, to go Czech because he's been around so long. Stuart? No, you're, I'm, you're... I'm going for a, all the players I've picked, and I'll pick the goalkeeper in a minute, is, is, is players that I think have had a massive influence on their team, You know, whether they've been a, a team right at the top or a team down at the bottom. And I'm going to go with Ruddy because I'm only going on games that I saw live and, and not just highlights because highlights sometimes... You know, you can't quite get the, the right balance with highlights. Ruddy has been excellent whenever I've seen him play. Seen him live six times. He's come and caught crosses. He's kicked the ball well, and he's made great saves. And, I, and that's why I've picked him in the side. Compared to our cumulative consensual back four of Walker, Company, Colacini, and Baines, I, I know Ducker has a, a has his own views on that. You didn't go Leighton Baines. You went Jean Beausjour. Was that just because you wanted to appear uh, sophisticated and a Euro snob like me? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not responding to that gap. Um, I, I just felt that there was no outstanding candidate at, um, at left back. I mean, if you, if you factored in Champions League performances after Christmas, then Ashley Cole's obviously stayed a great claim, but this was Premier League team of the season. I just didn't think there was an outstanding candidate there. So I went to someone who had a huge impact really on what Wigan managed to achieve in, uh, in those final three months and really took to quite an inventive system that uh, that Roberto Martinez, you know, installed from you know mid-November or so onwards. Great going forward, um, pretty pretty sound defensively as well. And I just think think looks quite an exciting uh, an exciting prospect. It, it was more for the lack of a, an, a truly kind of outstanding candidate there, but uh, I do think he's had a, a significant bearing on Wigan staying up. There was a truly outstanding candidate. No one likes him, but he's fantastic. Ashley Cole. I mean, he was quiet. But I just said that, Alison. Quiet. He, 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 he did say that. The start of the season. He, he, I agree. He's played. He's played second half of the season. I thought he played. You know, extremely well, but I think his his best performance was in the Champions League, and I and I was told it was Premier League team of the season. So it was the Premier League team of the season. That's why Alison's out of line, and she gets a warning. Um, Stuart, uh, you have any argument? Yeah, no, with... I always like to be proved wrong. And okay. at the beginning of the season, I said Manchester United's weakest player is Johnny Evans. I, I can't see what he gives Manchester United. He's caught for pace. He doesn't do well in the air. Most of the season, he was Manchester United's best centre-half, and I've put him in there just because I saw a massive improvement. That in is a game. good shout. Central midfield, we had two slots. Uh, we had, I think just about everybody had uh, uh, had Yaya Toure. Uh, I'm assuming there isn't anybody who dissents here, or is there something yeah. going to be difficult? Of course, do it. I'm, yes. I'm going to be, not uh, Yaya Toure had a good season, but I did some analysis of Manchester City's goals against. People were looking for weaknesses. And as I looked at the goals against, Yaya Toure, for I think about eight of the first ten goals, uh, lost his runner into the box. Didn't mark particularly well at corners. So, on the basis of that, I haven't picked him. Yes, he's a great player. He had a good end to the season. But a player that I've watched time and time again, and every time I go and see him play, I love to watch him play. And I think he, he's a key player for Everton, Fellaini. You know, Marwan Fellaini. I just, I really... Who's your other one? I've got Kabai because I, every- uh, I had Jan Kabai too, so obviously that's, that's the correct yeah. answer. Um, <laughs> Alison? I had Yaya and Song because I don't think Van Persie would have been the player of the season without Song there. Stewart is making a face. No, no, I, he's, he's passed the ball brilliantly this year, Alex Song. That's improved. His defensive qualities, I don't think, have been good enough, and that's why Arsenal are so vulnerable on the counter attack. Ducker, uh, you were kind of mainstream at this point because you went with Yaya Toure and with Czech Tiote. Now, um, we love him from last season, and of course, Ollie Kay also put him in there, and a lot of people did. 
Um, but I noticed George Culkin did not. And in fact, he says that Tiote wasn't as good this season as last year. George watches him week in, week out, so he'll be able to make you know, a far better distinction between previous season and that. But I, I just think that from when I saw Newcastle this season, uh, I do really like Kabayi, but I just thought Tiote was absolutely central to to um, allowing that team to play with two wingers and two um, two centre forwards as they do and be as adventurous and bold as they are. I think if you took took Tiote out of that out of that lineup, then I do believe they would suffer. Danny Guthrie, thanks you for that show support there. Okay, our centre forward. We, we have the team lined up in a four two three one. Our centre forward. I'm assuming nobody wants to argue that it's not Robin Van Persie, right? Okay, good. So inner line of three. Um, the consensus is David Silva, Wayne Rooney, and Sergio Aguero, with Silva getting pretty much universal support. Nobody has a problem with Silva, I take it? No, no, I, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all those players. Are th- they're absolutely outstanding, but I went for three different players across okay, the line. Okay, let's Just see because, again, I go back to players that have influenced their team and haven't been playing in the top teams. The best player behind the main striker has been Sigurdsson at Swansea. Yeah, he, he's been absolutely Several people had him. The only, my only problem with him is it's half a season. Yeah, it's half a yeah. season. And I'd also go for Moses on the left wing from Wigan because he was the player when Wigan couldn't score goals and they couldn't counter-attack he was the player that made them counter-attack he went past people he was a continual threat and without Moses Wigan wouldn't st- would, would not be in the Premier League at he the made Connor Salmon look good at times yeah and on the right hand side you know I, I saw him as a young player in the same team as Theo Walcott same team as Lalana. And that's Dyer, and I think he's been really good this season. Whether he's playing one twos, whether he's running past people, and I picked Dyer on the right hand side. So you were going to mention um, Gareth Bale there. No, Gareth Bale was a little bit after Theo right. Walker. Ducker, your 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 other you had David Silva as well. No, um, no, I didn't. I had I, I didn't. I had uh, Valencia, Aguero, and oh, Sigerson. Right. I didn't have Rooney, and I didn't have Silva. Okay, well, no argument with Aguero. Um, Allison. No argument with Aguero, but. Um, Clint Dempsey has to make the team of the year, so I put him in on the left. Basically, because you can play him anywhere. I had, I have to say, I had Clint Dempsey as well, um, as did uh, Ollie Kay. Uh, but still, most most of the love there for that third spot uh, after just, Sylvan Aguero went with for Wayne Rooney. Just, just make a point on Wayne Rooney. I'm amazed he's. Well, I can understand he scored 34 goals, and you know take him out of that team. Jocker, i got to jump in here, but you've the one who's been repeating over and over again. It's the Premier League team of the season. Allison, you can't use Ashley Cole. You just said he scored 34 goals. He didn't score 34 goals in the Premier League. Okay, he scored whatever. What did he score? I think it's like 21, 21 or whatever, yeah. Um, That's a lot. I I, um, I just think he he has scored goals a hell of a lot from the penalty spot as well, but they they all count. Um, I just think he's been pretty average United this season. Your talisman, talisman, you hope will really dig you out of um, a hole when you most need it. And um, I just think Rooney, if things aren't going his way, he just struggles to really grab a game by a scruff of his neck and really, 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 really influence it when it matters. There you go. Different strokes. Um, I'd say I didn't have uh, um, Rooney in, in my team of the season either, actually. Um, but he did score a lot of goals this year. And again, if you talk about what they bring to the table, as, as, and I think as James just said as well, uh, without Wayne Rooney, Manchester United 
probably don't finish joint top of the Premier League. Uh, we'll wrap it up, but remember, you can go on the website and uh, read everyone's PL teams of the season. It's actually a pretty cool interactive um, sort of graphic that the, uh, the boys made up, so it's worth checking out. All right, time now for some quick hits, and West Ham are back in the Premier League. And, of course, this is, what, some um, 46 years after winning the World Cup. Uh, they're back. Big well done to Big Sam. Big congratulations to uh, Stuart, of course, uh, who spent some time at West Ham as well. Um, Allison, what's a realistic target for next season? Probably more than just staying up, I, I would think, um, a comfortable mid-table first time back with him um, and I think he'll do that I think there were signs that he was sort of building Bolton again, they're a very uh, physical team, um, West Ham with the old sort of flash of on ingenuity um, but mainly physical and um, he's just so meticulous, P- people don't like Sam Allardyce but he's so meticulous he will make sure he plots his way to mid-table definitely next season and that's realistic and achievable. I'm just psyched to have the hammers back James, I know you like numbers, so let's reflect on this from Ollie Kay's excellent column. Since September 1st, 2008, Manchester United have a net spend of £8 million, which uh, I make out to be uh, just over a million per transfer window. In that time period, they've also paid out some $335 million. Yes, that's a third of a billion with a B pounds in fees, interest, and other doodads who prop up the Glazers' purchase of the club. Now, we've all become kind of bored with this because with this story, but the reality is those people are still there. So I want to know from you, uh, what happened to the green and gold folks? And um, do we just kind of accept that uh, this battle has run its course and we should just accept that this is the reality? Well, there's one thing first. It's more like $480 million in fees and interest. Okay, I will not have you um, criticize but, uh, or contradict I'll Oliver. I'll say that privately with Oliver. Um, I, it, it, it was nice... Um, idea to begin with, then it became a fashion statement. If fans are really determined to drive the Glazers out, then they need to um, not turn up to games. That's the only way that they are going to um, force the Glazers out by hitting them where it hurts, i.e. in the pocket. Otherwise otherwise the Glazers are going to do exactly what they want to do. And of course, if they don't turn up, then a bunch of Norwegians will in their place, so the Glazers won't Yeah, exactly. It's just not going to happen. But uh, that's the that's the own, that's the dream scenario. Um, campaigning uh, is not going to get anywhere with these owners. Robin Van Persie's future is still in doubt, uh, Stuart. I'm sure there's a number at which it makes sense to let him go. Transform yourself into a director of football, Moneyballs type. Well, he's 29 years old. I would say 30 million, and you'd let him go now because he, I don't think he's going to sign a contract. He, if he's forced to stay next year, he'd go for nothing. 30 million, you let him go. 29 million, you keep him. Yeah, I'm not hiring you as my director of football. <laughs> Earlier, we, we were delighted that West Ham got back to the Premier League. Of course, the fact that West Ham are back means that Blackpool uh, and our friend Ian Holloway are not. Um, I said, I'm fascinated by this because part of the reason that the world discovered that Brendan Rodgers is a very good manager is that he got up through the playoffs. And as I've often said, he could have lost the playoffs and still been a very good manager. Um, we've seen Holloway in the Premier League before. Um, Based on this season and based on who he is, do you think he should move on to a bigger club? Do you think bigger clubs are looking for managers? And no, I'm not necessarily talking about Liverpool and Chelsea just now, but um, should they be taking a long, hard look at him? Definitely. I mean, it was a theme this weekend of the team playing the more attractive football losing out. 
Blackpool outplayed West Ham for large chunks of the playoff final, and and it was it was lovely to watch and very admirable from Holloway because he did it with a sort of skeleton team from the one he had in the Premier League. I mean, the heartbeat of the, the side, Charlie Adam, went and you sort of felt he's going to really struggle to make an impact again in, in the Championship, and he did. So he's very unlucky. He obviously has the, the skill set you need for a, for a manager with little resources, and there are enough clubs with small resources who think big, and they could do worse than look at Ian Holloway, definitely. Roy Hodgson has named his England squad, and there's no room for Rio Ferdinand, which rather annoys him and befuddles me, since I thought he had a pretty decent end of the season. Um, Ducker, what do you make of Mr. Roy's choices? I thought there were some um, bizarre ones in there. I don't know what you're saying about Rio. I just think three games in whatever it is, eight or nine days, is um, a lot to ask of Rio these days, unfortunately. But I, I, would, I wouldn't have taken him or Terry just on the grounds that I'd like them to look firmly ahead to 2014, 2016 because we don't really have that much to lose. Uh, I couldn't believe he took Stuart Downing over Adam Johnson. Uh, neither are going to start, so as an impact sub, um, I would take Adam Johnson every day. And I thought Micah Richards was pretty unfortunate to uh, miss out too. Interesting. When I'm, I'm actually with you on the on the Adam Johnson, um, and um, I guess if Smalling had been fit, I would have definitely taking him again with an eye towards towards the future. But again, maybe Roy won't be part of the future. Chelsea's Champions League triumph means that Spurs miss out on the competition next year despite finishing fourth. Stuart, they're out £35 million. Pounds. I'm sure out of all of us, you're the one most likely to have a lot of sympathy for Tottenham Hotspur. Is this another case of Euro injustice with those mean UEFA Eurocrats going and penalising Spurs? They knew when they went to Aston Villa, the second last game of the season, that if they won there, they, the, the third spot would be in their hands. And they went there and they didn't play. They were they were too methodical at the start. They played around at the back. If they'd have won that game, they'd have been in the top three. So I've got no sympathy for them whatsoever. They were complacent earlier on in the season when they were doing so well. When they were 2-0 up against Arsenal at the Emirates, that's when it all started to go wrong for them. How did I know you were going to bring that game up at the Emirates? Gab, question for you. There are new champions in France. Montpellier, fairy tale stuff. Is France, though, the only major league where this can happen nowadays? Probably to this degree, um, I think so. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a remarkable... We've talked about them on, on this podcast before. It's been a remarkable season for them. Um, it's also been sort of a perfect storm where, you know, Marseille self-destructed. Uh, Lille were a bit uh, inconsistent at the wrong times. And, of course, Paris Saint-Germain... <laughs> changed managers halfway through, spent a lot of money, not a lot of it wisely, and Montpellier also were, were a bit fortunate at the right time. Um, uh, um, what I'm left with, though, is, again, this idea that this team will be broken up. Belhanda will leave, I assume. Olivier Giroud will leave as well. So there won't be much to uh, much to build on, but it's still a neat tale. I'm, and I hear Disney have optioned uh, uh, the script. That's all we've got time for this week, and uh, there's no show on Monday, but there will be a special live show recorded at the Freemasons Arms in London next week. Uh, if you want a ticket for it, sorry, it's sold out. Uh, and if you're one of the people who are coming, look forward to seeing you there. Don't forget to visit thetimes.co.uk. you get your latest news, your analysis, your Euro 2012 ponderings. I'll be doing my uh, previews of, of each and every one of the 16 teams very, very soon. 
And of course, we will uh, be delivering you a podcast at all the key stages of the Euros from Poland and the Ukraine. Um, I'm going to be out there, of course, and I'll have various guests. And I'm quite excited to do this. It's been a privilege, and it's been a privilege um, to have you listen to us. And um, we'll be back. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.